Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Stolen Signs podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Kendall Gilmet, along with Harry Pavlidis of Baseball Prospectus. Hi, Harry. Hello, Kendall. Good evening. Good evening. We Good are knee-deep in playoff baseball. Yes. We're currently watching the penultimate division series game. There'll be one more tomorrow. Yes. We have two entries already set. In the form of Los Angeles Dodgers and Houston Astros, the Nationals has extended their series, and right now the Indians and the Yankees are doing business in dramatic fashion. As we speak, yeah, I think it's three to two. So, well, because now that we know that we are in the playoffs, we know that the season is over. Yes. And today we are going to be looking at back at Pakoda and um, where um, Pakoda said where Pakoda said we might be um, with teams and or players and then um, just kind of taking a little uh, a look at at what what happened yeah projecting is hard (laughs) turns out yeah um, so yeah Pakoda did okay I guess haven't this isn't the time yet we haven't done complete compare and contrast to other systems although i know judges started doing some of it i think we i think it was a typical year where pakoda was good with batting not as good with pitching or steamer did better on pitching so we're looking at continually ways to improve it and considering what impacts of changes and how they would benefit two different types of audiences. One audience, which is kind of interested in Pakoda for what are the standings. Yep. And the other is for people who want to rank the players for their fantasy purposes. Got it. So um, before we jump into that, I do want to get back into that, but um, email us, stolen underscore signs at baseballperspectus.com. And we're on Twitter at stolen underscore signs. Um, and uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Yes, please. We uh, we finally reached whatever magical threshold there is, so we can see um, the ratings. So we would appreciate any ratings, positive ratings. We would appreciate more, but whatever. Constructive feedback helps too. Yes. Um, okay. So got yeah. that business out of the way. Mm-hmm. I have a question about projections. Um, uh huh. So. Obviously, projecting is hard because there's so much unknown. But the future is difficult to predict. The future is difficult to predict. But what makes, uh, like you mentioned, Steamer, and there are mm-hmm. you know a ton of different projection systems out there. Can you describe briefly or in depth or whatever you want um, <laughs> the differences between them, kind of in general? Or, well, um, uh, they all do pretty much the same things. Um, or maybe the methodology. Yeah, I mean, the, the, method, the basic methodologies are, are the details of the methodologies are going to differ a lot. Uh, the, the different, like you know, you know, how much salt and how much cinnamon, you know, 
how many clothes, those things will kind of vary. But projections basically use, you know, they use past information about players to predict their future. Uh, so you, you, you start with sets of data that are recent years of Major League Baseball data, and you also might want to use minor league data where you transform that minor league data into major league equivalents, which basically is just, you know, in effect, a penalty system for the most part. Waiting it. be conceived of. Yeah, well, let's not talk about waiting it okay. yet, uh, but it's just a penalizing, like transforming it. So if you hit 300 in a double uh, A, your MLE might be 240. And with that, um, is are there, like, park factors, like, Oh sure, everything is park site. factored. Every, all the data that you have you, that's based in has to be park factored. Yes, and you have to break everything down to as low as components as you want. I mean, you could do very basic things and just take, you know, on base slugging and and, and batting average and, and just do very basic projections like a Mar- the Marcel system, which is basically a three two one or five three one weighting of the past three years, uh, and that's it. You know, you just pretty much put that in weighted by batting by uh, plate appearances and that's it you know so how many years you go back is another question of course you can go back five years ten years you know you go back as far as you need usually three to five years is enough players change a lot and the information that goes way back may not be too helpful uh, in terms of predicting performance may actually degrade your predictions so you have to be careful about how far back you go Um, and, and you have to also be careful about the context of minor league data or collegiate data if you're using that. You have to remember that there's a much bigger set of error bars in terms of the meaning. So there's not just a penalty, uh, but you're also going to find that you're going to weight those seasons less than you will, you know, a equal equally recent major league season. So you have to figure out, and you may do it different based on different components. So if, if we're projecting strikeout rates and walk rates and things like that for pitchers, we may use more or less time for different components based on how much information is useful. And, uh, and with that, is that, um, like speaking specifically for Pakoda, is that done um, on a per player basis or is that something that's like, it's, yeah, I guess is it, it's is systemic. That, uh, basically, you know, you know, it's 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 system wide. Okay. So, I, so basically, you know, so you start with basically cumul- you know, park adjusting all their data, you know, adjusting for a level of competition. So if they're in A ball or major leagues, you're going to treat that data differently. Then you're going to weight it for recency, uh, and then you basically can just put those things together and have an, an initial or final, if you want, projection. But we also put apply aging curves and comp- comparatives as kind of as a, as a post-step. So you have, uh, you know, if you're 24 and that's your stats for the last three years, you know, we're also going to factor in you know, the, the aging curve. And we really do it at the component level for each thing. Everything has a different aging curve. Strikeouts age differently than stolen bases. You know, so you have... Uh, Per skill, you age it, you know, project it, age it, uh, include comparables. So not just, you know, aging is in itself a comparable, saying every player my age is like me mm-hmm. and aging in that way. But we also put things in there, uh, like what positions you play, your body size. And, and so there's other things that happen that go into the comp pool. 
And I think where we can improve pitching is using pitchers' repertoires and their stuff and pitch FX data. Yeah, I was gonna. So along along those lines, um, we talked whatever two episodes ago about pitcher similarity scores. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big part of projecting, right? Yeah. Is that that's something that is involved in Picota? Yeah, I will. Yeah, in ways. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like kind of in the way that you just mentioned ways, with comparables and you know guys together and yep. you know originally it was you know stuff that was almost hand weighted by by name. Okay. And I think things became pretty much completely empirically based by the time Colin was done with it. And we, and we made some changes. We changed MLEs a bit. We've changed, I mean, we've changed a lot. I mean, handfuls of things, but they're all small little tunings and changes. There's a lot of pieces to a projection system. And I think that's probably, you can do it very simply. If you're going to do all these compl- complex things, you have to be better than Marcel. <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point? Right. So, we do beat Marcel, but we're not we're not perfect. Um, we also do project more players than most, if not all systems. So, so yeah. at, at BP, we do Picota projections for all MLB players, and then any minor league players. Every yeah, I every mean, minor league player. Yeah, I mean, we're going to give you an MLE for a guy who's just played rookie ball. I mean, excuse me, a Picota projection for guys who played above rookie ball. I think, I think that's how it starts. Right on. So, you know, they're not anticipated to make to major leagues, but we'll have a projection. And there's a 10-year projection, so you can kind of... So, a question about that. I'm full of questions tonight, Harry. Um, so, with that, so when you look at a projection for some guy who's not going to get out of single A, or like low A, or, or whatever, when I look at that, what does that tell me? Does that tell me what he <laughs> not would do? Nothing. nothing. It, it's, yeah, no, it's basically like, this guy is going to really suck. Is usually what it tells you. I mean, it's like we eventually created a projection for, you know, Barry Bonds at age, you know, whatever he is now. Right. And it was like, you know, some hilarious slash line. Right. But what? it was kind of believable. It was like, you know, a 170 batting average and like a 300 on base percentage and then a like 300 slugging. Like something really strange. Like right. he never hit the ball, but he took walks and when he did hit it, it left. Right. Um, but it was just like, this is obviously ridiculous. And, and you, but you, you, you have that. Uh, to me, that's what, what the most interesting thing possibly about a projection is it may, for a player who has no major league experience because what's gonna have the biggest error bars on it, right. but it, it can tell you, you know, just how far away someone is. Got it. When you think about it in terms of you, you might have a 30 hit score on a guy who's an A ball, but his future grade is 55. So, you know, his projection for his age 19 season in Major League Baseball is not going to be anything worth looking at. Right. Because, you know, but it, it's expected to develop in five years. So, in that the projection, is- in the projection, man, I don't think we'll do that great of a job. Right. Because it just ages you further and further. It doesn't really quite take. It might. It's actually. I shouldn't say it does take development. You know, trajectory. It's not just an aging trajectory, but it's probably not the most sensitive thing. Like a ten-year projection is probably most useful after we have some major. It's one that's basically based on major league data, not your minor league data. So, kind of, what's the rest of your career going to look like? Yeah, that's how I look at it. Yeah. Right on. As far as you know, most of the other projection systems kind of roughly follow the same. Yeah, I mean, everybody basically does the same thing, but there's the exact math they may use and, and how they define comparables is all in, in how aging is done. Those are where the differences tend to be. Um, but conceptually, it's, it's 
figure out what you know, people have different theoretical bases, you know, going in. So they may do things differently for that purpose. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it's why you don't see huge divergences from projection systems. You do see some differences and that's when it gets interesting because the question is why. Right. Like, I mean, I know at the beginning of the season, you know, people were crazy up in arms specifically about the Dodgers and the Cubs and how, how could you possibly say that the, uh, the, the team projections? Yeah. Are, are weird though. You got to remember those are based on estimates of playing. It's an important thing is like we're projecting great stats. Okay. You know, and then we could assemble them into those counting stat lines that people want. But we don't know what their playing time is going to be. So that's based on playing time estimates at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and that, and that you're not going to get traded and, and the, and the right. park factors are going to be what we think they're going to be. Got it. Which is, you know, spur, could be a very spurious assumption given the way uh, ball behavior has changed. So that park factors may have changed. So it, it's... Yeah, but what, we, what I did do, and or I had Rob McEwen do, was um, was uh, take th- our actual playing times and plug those into our Pocota preseason to see how much that helped. Because I always say it's like, well, you know, you projected this team and that team, and you guys suck because you got the the Orioles, you know, in last place, or you know, this the, the Cardinals are going to be better than what you predicted and whatnot. And I've always said in the few years that I've been involved with BP that, well, we're projecting on these depth charts. And, you know, we so a lot of these things are going to miss just based on that. Like, so we, we got the depth charts wrong, right? Well, yeah, and yeah. we know we do. So now right. we actually went and figured it out. So far, just for one year, uh, we'll publish this uh, as a page on the site. <clears throat> um, but we actually took then the proper depth charts Meaning and, the actual, uh, actual playing, playing time. time, right? Yeah, and 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 plug those in using the original preseason projections for Pakoda. So no 2017 performance data at all. Still just what we projected before the season started. Yeah, and it did make us better. Hmm. So, so I mean, we we were off uh, in terms of predicting number of wins per team. You know, absolute values here. We are off by 220, 224 wins misallocated when we had our estimated depth charts. And we had predicted five of the six division winners correctly. That's pretty good. When we, with the corrected depth charts with actual playing time, we reduced our error amount up to 177 wins. So we took care of 21%. So, like a fifth of our miss was from the depth charts. And some teams, some teams are, are predictions actually or projections were actually better <laughs> with you. So there's some, you know, there's luck in here. So it's, but we actually, then we got the sixth division winner pops in with proper, when you got proper playing time, we, we, we clean sweep on the divisions. And so that's, uh, that's basically with the um, actual depth charts. That's just actual playing time. Yeah. Or, uh, like sorry, actual, actual playing time. That's um, just reducing the error bars then on our projections. Is that accurate well, or no? No, it's not changing the projections themselves. It's changing how they're summed up at the team level. Got it. So, Got it. you know, okay. not knowing what trades are going to happen, what call-ups are going to happen, you know. I mean, just because maybe we uh, underestimated John, uh, <laughs> Aaron Judge's playing time, right. uh, it, it doesn't mean that 
we totally fixed the Yankees projection or anything like that just because we got his playing time right because his projection probably would have been way pessimistic. I don't think we had him smashing 53 home runs or whatever it was. So, uh, you know, but the Yankees are actually a good example. I mean, like I said, when we just, you know, with the estimated playing time, we got five out of the six division winners. Yeah. When we got the playing time correct, we got we added the Nationals. But the team they replaced was the Mets. Right. Okay, so we had projected the Mets to win the National League East. This was not an accurate projection. No. And also so, not a crazy so we projection. The, so we had, we had them at 87 wins. When we had the real playing time at the end of the season, we had them at 83 wins. They actually and falling to second place as a, and into the wild card or right. into like a big tie for a bunch of wild cards hard to beat. Right. But anyway, so that they actually won seventy games and their third order wins were sixty eight. So I mean, we missed originally by seventeen wins and brought it back to thirteen wins. So that's like, so we kind of, so with Washington though we went from eighty six wins to eighty eight. Well, they really won 97. So, yay for us for having with corrected playing time. We actually got all six division winners, but we it's but because we slightly fixed the magnitude of our miss on Washington, we were pretty far off on the Nationals. So, what? Um, and I feel like kind of like a dumb person right now, or not a dumb person, but like. What do you attribute that difference to? Like, well, which you know, the Mets, like their pitcher sucked. Yeah, the pitcher sucked, got hurt. But like, yeah, the, but guy, but Matt Harvey put up like the worst, like ERA for that number of starts. Like in Mets, I mean, this you got to go back to like my childhood when the right. Mets were just so. It was like in the early '80s when it was like Ed Lynch and Pat Zachary and guys who just you know put up bad seasons and they'd be the ace. So this was like you, his the Harvey season was horrific. Um, Jose Jose Reyes was given tons of playing time. I, I don't think we predicted him to be quite that horrible. Yeah. Like I don't. I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but he he was quite bad and he got a lot of playing time. So what happened was, guys who we projected to be decent or, or whatever got plenty of playing time. And were Sucked. bad. Right. Yeah, but they were bad. Um, so, you know, we really missed on the Mets. The only team that we missed more on uh, was San Francisco. Oof. Detroit was a close, another one that we missed badly. Um, but there were also teams that were better than we thought, like Arizona and Colorado. Yeah. We knew Minnesota was going to be pretty good. We weren't too far off on them. So that's cool. But, you know, we, we were pretty far off on just a few teams, you know, that we were just like really bullet, like 10, 15 wins. So with the adjusted playing time, there's one, two, three, four, five teams with double digit gap in their wins. And, you know, with it, we nailed the Cardinals spot on. We were one off with the Cubs, two off with the Dodgers. But, you know, originally we had Oakland nailed, but with the playing time adjustments, you know, we we're now three wins off, still really good. But so for a couple teams, we actually, you know, <laughs> you know, the playing time adjustments weren't in our favor, right. our projections. But with it, you know, we, we clean sweep on the uh, divisions. I think the lesson there is that uh, it's easy to 
identify the better teams, but in that murky middle, uh, it's hard to separate out and you're always, then you're always going to have a few teams that pop up or, or, or blow up. So I think this is probably pretty typical. We'll run this for more seasons, make it available like as a page where you can pick the season and whatnot and look at the different stats. Yeah, that'll be cool. I mean, I think that this is like, it's interesting to see like based on like actual playing time and then how it, how it fits into the projection system. And I believe that Picota is typically conservative. Is this just on the players um, in terms of counting On the stats? records, it's going to be conservative. On the records, yeah. it is too. Yeah. yeah. And Matt, so it was like when we had the <clears throat> Dodgers at 97 wins originally. Right. That was noteworthy. We, re- we don't often project a team to be that high. Right. Uh, when we actually have the reapplying time now at the end of the season and, and reapply it, we actually had them for 102. That's crazy. And they had won 104. Right. So, I mean, you know, pretty happy that Pakoda picked out that outlier. Yeah. Um, but it missed other stuff. Like it was, you know, yeah, we got eventually got Washington right as the NL East winner, but we were off by 10 games. We only have them winning 88. They won 97. So, I mean, that, that's a pretty big miss. The other the others, you know, Cubs almost right on, Boston just a few off. But Houston, 10 off. Cleveland, you know, almost the same, like eight off. Yeah. You know, those the teams that win, you know, 100 games, that, I expect that to happen. The right. team, but so I think like Washington, 97, 88. Like we should have had like Washington probably 92, 93. You know, it shouldn't be quite. There just seems to me like we're, we, we missed somewhere there. But it's um, pretty – it's pretty noteworthy for a team to win a hundred games. Like teams don't win a hundred yeah. games every year. Right. right. I mean, there's been seasons where no one's won a hundred. Right. right. Yeah. So, we had three. Years, yeah. So. so I think that, well, it's interesting because I mean, this kind of brings up the, yeah, I mean, we, we figured out who the best teams were. We maybe didn't quite get the magnitude of it. Right. But this also brings up an interesting point about, um, kind of how teams are organizing their rebuilds, shall we say? Um, okay. So the, the, there are these teams now that have these massive win totals, but then there are also teams that, you know, the, what is it, Detroit is winning 64 games. Detroit and San Francisco. And San Francisco is winning 64 yeah. games. Like, they're, they're terrible. They and, had bad seasons. Yeah, so it's, it's like there's... I mean, the Mets were bad. I mean, the yeah, Mets had the a Mets really were. bad season. So I, th- I think that it's it's a, a combination of their of those two things. You know, teams aren't just kind of hanging around the middle as mm-hmm. much anymore. Um, they're kind of going into the tank or rebuild or whatever you call it. I suppose it depends on your point of view, but um, yeah. So I guess that 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 kind of yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. If teams are going to pull the plug, they're going to go exactly. I mean, they're just going to let it fly. So. Yeah, I can so I can see why team we project for eighty goes to seventy. It's a challenge. I'm just looking at the teams that did win a hundred games this year: Houston, the Dodgers, and Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland, those are good baseball teams. Yeah, Cleveland. I mean, let's be clear: that's like three. Like they they, they they're scary. Watching them now, they, they're scary teams. Oh, and what they were they won a hundred games. Right. Funny how that works. And and they're still playing, as far as I know. I don't have that. all of them. Cleveland is still alive at the moment. They are in the middle. They're they're actually losing by a run at this at this point. 
Yeah, Jay Bruce will come up and hit a home run or something. Oh, he's up right yeah. now. He's up right now. Um, but so yeah. my my so like saying like teams, okay, yeah, teams will pull the plug and get really bad. Yeah. So Cleveland has Detroit in their division. Detroit sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I see where you're going. But oh. the, and then the Dodgers had the Giants, who sucked. They suck, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. Houston, who was, the, who was the fifth place team? The, the Patsy in that was, division. Well, I don't really. There kind of wasn't. Yeah. I mean, so that to me that makes it a little bit like oh, Oakland won 75 games and they were the last place team. Yeah. The so, Angels, Texas, and Seattle all finished below 500. So they had nobody really good to, to beat up on. Well, yeah. But no, there was nobody. But there was no. There was no second place. But there was no. Their head and shoulders above all these mediocre teams. Yeah, so it's interesting just to, to look at that and to see like, I don't know if that. I'm just trying to think of like, does that factor into like a if I were doing a power ranking in my head of like. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. I, I mean, well, you're shrank the schedule. That's where I think doesn't yeah. third order order winning person wins take that into account? I don't know. I don't know I what that it, means. <laughs> Confession time. I don't know what third order winning percentage is. I'll, I'll go read the definition off the website because <laughs> that's the perfect. It's. I can do that. These things always. These things are uh, totally understandable and transparent concepts. Um, except they're totally not. Let's see. Where are they? Projected, adjusted. I also get it on be projected standings, adjusted standings, we have playoff odds and playoff pro- it's like there's too many things. We need to clean this up. This website. Okay, so uh here we go. Glossary. Join me as I I read to you. Yes. Go ahead. I'm happy to read it too. I have it pulled up. Yeah, let's say I want to make sure I read the right one. Oh, no, it didn't give me that uh, give me the wrong report. Ha ha. Alright, I'll read it. Yep. You have it? So, yep. Go for it. Third order winning percentage. A team's projected winning percentage based on underlying statistics and adjusted and quality of opponents. Right. Uses Second. adjusted equivalent runs scored and allowed, which adjust the equivalent run totals for the quality of each team's opponent pitching and defense. Clay Davenport introduces higher order winning percentage in this article with a link. So, so what's interesting is... With third order wins, the Yankees also are over 100. They join. Those those three teams don't right. lose any wins. They all actually gain. <laughs> yeah. The Yankees, though, we had as a, they won 91, but their third order was 106. So you know, one could argue that our projection should be compared to that. So that just makes the Yankees even worse in terms of our accuracy. So I, I won't do that. Uh, <laughs> But that's part, you know, so that's, so here we are, the Yankees battling the Indians, right. mano a mano in the game five of this series. So it turns out they were put pretty close together. Uh, you know, the yeah. Nationals were, we have the Nationals been favored over the Cubs for much this whole time. Yeah. They are a very good team, but I mean, the Cubs, I think are, are a pretty good team too, but. It's, yeah, uh, but they're not as, yeah, they're not as like a dominating team that some of these other teams are just stacked. Yep. Which is interesting, actually. I was talking with my wife about this. We just watched um, Game 4, Crushing Defeat. Um, and what we were talking about, like, what uh, what's the difference? So the Cubs this year versus the Cubs last year. And, you know, the Cubs dominated last year, and the Cubs didn't dominate this year. And Washington was really good last year, but um, lost in the first round, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, 
So what would you say the Cubs is the difference in the Cubs this year? Defense hasn't been in the playoffs at least. I don't yeah. feel like the defense has been as clean. Yeah. Do so you think that's, that's do you think that's it? No, I mean Do you think no. what, what do you think? I think the I mean this the availability is... of Arietta, you know? Yep. Uh, um I I think you know, his bullpen is not the same. Yep. Without, you know, Chapman is was better than Davis. Last, you know, so Davis is Davis. Everybody talked about how many how he never blew saves, but he was a little scary all year. I thought so. Yeah. You know, um, so I, yeah, it's just different. I mean, team guys aren't you know just it's it's baseball. Yeah, I felt like I felt like every other team that's still in the playoffs has taken a step forward from last year, right? And the Cubs have taken a step back, or at least not progressed the way yeah. that they had. I mean, from what 2015 to 2016 mm-hmm. oh yeah hugely, well sure um, right and then yeah, no, it's not and, like that and it's not that's not sustainable cubs fans yeah. sorry um yeah of which i consider myself one but uh so anyway so well you know you never i mean of course not but it, it's uh i mean the, yeah there, there's that there's definitely that issue you know and they i don't know maybe they don't have the the uh, same bullpen quality not just at the end but you know, right? It's they haven't really. I don't know it hasn't been like John Lackey coming out and like throwing two innings, like the fourth and the fifth innings, you know, keep a game together. They, they had some of these teams have had these dramatic reentries by starting pitchers and whatnot. I don't, I don't think the Cubs have really I mean, Lester today, I guess, yeah. but I don't feel like they've quite they've relied on their starting pitching, which is good, right? Which is. Oh, I've already see now. I'm jumping ahead into something I wanted to talk about later. Oops. Um. Anyways, back to Pakoda. Pakoda. <laughs> yeah. So to kind of sum up on the team stuff, we'll, we'll, we're like I said, we'll put up the page with all these things. Probably post. Yeah, I don't want to post my spreadsheet. It's kind of crappy. Um. But yeah, we'll, we'll uh put we'll together, put together table. a few years and have a page somewhere and we'll link it up. Um. Because it's kind of cool to look at. The change because you can look at it a few different ways. You can look at it as how much is the projection system missed, but you can also look at it as you know if you have in, in your mind some team. Oh yeah, they really improved themselves and they during the season of their roster moves. Is that reflected in the Pakota? Did Pakota also agree with what their roster moves were, as it were? So yeah, no, this is uh, super. I mean, it's we we've kind of talked about the top and the bottom of this list, but it's it's interesting all the way down. I think. Oh yeah. I think so too, because you can look. At, yeah, all the teams who are like in the, like the Blue Jays and the Royals and things like that. It's kind of interesting, to, you know, to look at the teams that aren't, you know, weren't in the tank completely, but weren't in contention either. It's like, yep. oh, there's some interesting stuff there where their rosters moved around. And maybe those are the ones who are weren't, you know, as you mentioned earlier, going to the tank or making major upgrades or just kind of holding steady. Yeah, hope hoping so. to to catch a second wild card or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So as we wrap up our team stuff, uh, we'll take a little break and um, we will be back. But again, uh, shoot us an email, stolen underscore signs at baseballperspectus.com or hit us up on Twitter at stolen underscore signs. If you have any questions or feedback or want to talk about any of the stuff that we're talking about, we will be back after this. Trees went back. Me and Dale were singing. Yeah, right.
Welcome back. We are going to move on from the team discussion of Pakoda projections, and now we're going to talk about some players. And um, first off, I want to give a big shout out to Rob McEwen, who provided all of this data to me. Um, I don't know if and me too and Harry too. So, um, so thank you, Rob. And um, he's a wizard and a nice guy. So thanks, Rob. Uh, but so I want to talk about some players who either overperformed or underperformed based on their well, based on their Pakoda projections. So, um, which is a nice way of saying players that Pakoda missed badly. Yeah, right. Yes, Pakoda missed badly. So, and and I found that they fit into seem they seem to fit into a couple different molds and i found that pretty interesting so mold yeah. mold mold oh sorry uh see sam miller used to love doing this too like like how could we make pakoda better let's look closely at what types of mistakes it makes <laughs> i'm always like even though it's software that i have i've barely contributed anything to you know what i mean at this point I mean, i'm only one of the newer contributors to this long-standing thing yeah. it's still like you know, we're, we're going to tell you, like, you know, sit down and we're going to tell you uh, a few things about yourself that you might not want to hear. Right. <laughs> You're like, so, no. I'm uh, ready. I'm ready. I've been through, I've been put through this every year by, <laughs> by colleagues. And that's your turn. So I'm, I'm not, uh, and this isn't a criticism of Pakoda, I don't think. I think it's, yeah, okay. it's I think it's what well, it might be. I guess it is if it's a miss. But anyway, it um, is what it is. It is what it is. I think it's interesting. So, a couple of things. So one, like Miguel Cabrera and <laughs> Albert Pujols. These are oh. these are the aging guys where they either age more quickly or their, their performance goes down um, more quickly than Pakoda would think. So this year, the, the biggest miss on the batter side was Miguel Cabrera. And he was projected for um 5.6 warp and he, and he got negative 1.17 yeah. there's so, seven wins off of you know our <laughs> yeah yeah so and it's interesting because he was projected for 648 plate appearances actually got 529 so it's that may be part of it but that's a pretty small part of it yeah no it's not it's just, he went from being a positive yeah. like he was projected <laughs> to perform like an all-star right and he didn't and he and, but he actually performed like was there anybody worse in warp than him I mean, he's at the bottom i mean there's not too many um, guys yeah no i think he is the worst he uh, had a terrible oh, season no Pujols is worse <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah uh which is another guy who is uh, he was projected for 1.8 so it's not like he was um yeah projected to be you know some amazing player um but got negative expected him to be passable right uh, serviceable negative. second division type guy but he was bad yeah negative 1.84 and he actually had more plate appearances than he was projected for so it's um so yeah, so what so what does that mean? I mean, did these like was their recent performance particularly strong put, put that put them into a group of guys who seem to play well late in their careers or well, I know, think that's I'm not sure. One thing that's interesting is Miguel Cabrera is not very old. He's 34 years old. Ooh. 
but he came, he's been playing for like 15 years because he came up when he was 20. 20 yeah. So it's like there's some mileage issues here, I think. And body type. Well, yeah, and based on the way his like lower body's broken down. Yeah. yeah. Same mileage. with pools. Oh, yeah. Pools uh, running is one of the most oh, hilarious. It's, it's, it's sad. It's yeah. really – it's like just put the camera away. Have some respect. Yeah. The man is dying. Take the candle. Put that the man is. Di- oh no, he's okay. I'm sorry. He's just going trying, back to the base. I'm trying. sorry. I thought he, I thought he was having a convulsion. He's trying to leg out a double. That's, so, oh. Yeah, and I mean, and so also. Cabrera, Have you seen him go first to third? Oh, <laughs> not in years. No, me neither. Um, I was going to say. If you, so if you said yes, I was going <laughs> to call you a liar. <laughs> so Cabrera, 2013, 7.9 warp. 2014, 5.5 warp. 2015, 4.8 warp. 2016, 4.1. And then cratered to negative 1.2. Yeah, but a projection system is not going to get Not going to catch that. But, no, uh, it's, yeah, it's not. I mean, you know, there could have been like, what, what is it? Or what's up? We had the breakout and. Right percentages and things like that yep. but there's the one for like falling off the cliff percent i forget what it's called now i'm drawing a blank i know did, what you're did, talking about but i don't know the the name of yeah, yeah so i think you know we may have foreseen that right and one thing that's sad for tigers fans is you the tigers are still on the hook for one two three four five six six years of 30 million dollars plus and then one year for eight million dollars plus in terms of contracts so that's a lot of money and somebody who is absolutely in the tank and personally i don't see that improving um he might get a little healthier yeah it's pretty that would be a change that would be a change but i'm i'm definitely i and i love watching him hit when he's healthy but yeah it's bad Um, so that's, those are uh, a couple of my underperforming or big misses. Um, there's some other notable ones, um, that fall into a little bit of a different category, um, that I haven't dug into quite as deeply, but like no Marmazara, uh, mm-hmm. let me pull it up. Yeah. So he, um, was projected at two and a half warp. And came in at negative point four one, and so, but he got like normal playing time and things like that. He's a young guy, um, but like I said, I haven't totally dug into his. Um, I wonder how much like his defense or something. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm pulling up his player page right now. I mean, and I wonder too, like because there's not as much of a track record major league track record for him like this is mm-hmm. his second year in the majors there's going to be more exactly you're going to have more error, there's, you're, you're going to have more like of those MLEs which are inherently noisier right influencing a projection of a player of his age no doubt so I, I found that interesting um, like let's see he hit yeah, I mean he he hit his 10 percentile is that how you say that? 10, yeah, 10, 10, 10 percentile. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, not very good. But uh, I'm trying to look yeah, for, trying to find great. his defense. 
Okay, yeah, it is his defense. That's a huge, 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 huge factor. Um, his um, fielding runs above average are negative 4.9. But he was really good before, right? Um, yeah. So last year, he was 9.9. Yeah, um, so we would. I mean, we would have been probably not, you know, projecting him to be ten again. But right, you know, that's interesting. That's a, that's yeah. That's part of it. Not his, all of it, I'm sure. His nickname is the Big Easy. Is that right? I don't know. I think that's his nickname, which I very much appreciate. Yeah, that's Kate. Yeah. Um, I'll look it up. So how about pictures? Oh, sorry, the Big Chill. The Big Chill. Yeah, okay. I like it. Pretty good. Good enough. So, uh, pitchers. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have other hitters, that's fine too. Yeah. Uh uh I already talked about one of one of my hitters, um Tyler Flowers and we talked about him uh, I think last episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His yeah, yeah. his defense being exemplary. Um I mean other ones that are that are big kind of outperforming Picota, Jose Ramirez. Um, yeah. Probably could have seen that coming just based on sort of the, yeah. The, yeah the player and and his performance. Uh, Chris Taylor, which I don't think very many people saw coming. Dude, I until very late in the season, I did not know who that was. Oh really? He yeah, was I mean he had like thirty guy, home so, runs. I'm like, what is yeah. this? Who's this? I'm like, what? Yeah. So, oops. See, with Vince Scully retiring, I don't watch as many Dodger games. That's 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 the takeaway. So and then uh, like Tommy Pham and Tim Beckham, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of these are guys who were expected at some point to be, you know, top performers, but had kind of either fallen by the wayside or um, some surprising guys there. And then underperformers, other ones, Lucroy, Jonathan Lucroy, um, yeah, which is boy, oh boy. I think a, a defensive issue there. I was going to say that I was going to say the bottom fell out on him, but it's literally the opposite, where his, he can't get his bottom as low to the ground as he used to, so he doesn't frame as and receive as well. Right. But yeah. and then guys like Manny Machado and Robinson Cano. Um, yeah, Machado did not, but he's he's hurt, right? I mean, that's got to be. Yeah, I think yeah. There's there's something going on, and then. Cano, I think that that's probably a defensive issue too because he performed well at the plate this year. Um, yeah, didn't he? I think <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my my recollection. Isn't that, you don't, isn't that like in your backyard? Yeah, it's a big backyard. It's a big backyard. Pacific Northwest Hundreds. is a big backyard. It's a big yard. Um, but then over performers or guys who pitchers who who outperform Pakota. Luis Severino, which is okay, sure, mm-hmm. an interesting thing because um, now, I, I have like a theory, you know, I'll okay. offer advance. Like th- this is a hard thing. Like pitchers click. Yeah, right. You know, this is where I think stuff and using much more of the stuff projections, base projections would, would find these guys who like finally bring it all together and click and right. get good. Interesting. So I'm guessing like Trevor Bauer, we probably missed on. Yeah, so with Severino, um, so, so last episode um, when uh, Ben Diamond was talking about Severino mm-hmm. as like, he's like, yeah, you know, he's he's one of the better, you know, one of the best pitchers in the American League. And I'm like, total, I was like, what? Come on. <laughs> like, let's not, you know, I was like, okay, Ben's a Yankees fan, you know, like, yeah. let's not get excited here. 
And then I like looked into it because I my, my reaction was, you know, kind of a, a bit of an eye roll. And so I looked into it and I was like, oh, well, maybe I'm wrong here. So uh, my apologies for the unknown, unknown eye roll. But uh, um, yeah, dude throws like a hundred, almost a yeah, hundred, hundred, and has a just a knockout breaking pitch slider, change up as well. Yeah, just big, strong dude. Yep. So he um, he outperformed Pakoda by four. <laughs> so um that's pretty impressive um and part of it i think though too is playing innings, playing time yeah. yeah so he had a yeah. hundred more innings than was projected for him yeah so that's a that's a good example that will, um, that yeah. will factor into it big time um and then one guy who i wanted to mention um because uh, R.J. Anderson and Brian Grosnick on the DFA podcasts talked about this guy, um, I don't know, a few episodes, the Padres episode, but Denilson LeMay, I believe is how you pronounce mm-hmm. his name. Yeah. Um, he uh, outperformed Pakota by about two and a half warp. Um, Was he a rookie, though? I think he is a rookie. Yeah, so those are going to be really hard. Yeah, get. yeah, but so he kind of went from a negative point one seven warp to right. two point two. That's a good example. But was he mostly low minors guy? Because those guys, like, even if you put up decent numbers, they'll get MLE'd to death. Right. So, you know, that's that's one thing I'd look at to see why we would miss on someone like that yeah. so much. But yeah, not going to get the rookies very often. Yeah, he had some triple A experience, mostly double A last year. Um, and then AAA this year as well. But uh, so, uh, hats off to RJ and Brian on that one. Um, I actually picked him up in my dynasty league. Not that anybody cares about my fantasy team, but um, yeah. So that, I thought that was a, a, an interesting one and uh, a name that kind of you wouldn't necessarily think of as a. He's like top fifteen on the um, the um, like how much how much he outperformed his his projection um so i thought that was interesting uh another guy is j a hap or j hap i don't know j hap is it j J. it's j it's pronounced J. j fair enough um who is a guy who he pitched for the mariners i think last year maybe it's two years ago and i remember as two years ago, I remember going to see him. Like it seemed like every Mariners game I went to, which was like not that many. Um, I live in Portland, uh, so getting up to the Mariners games I like to, but I don't get to as often as I would like. But it seemed like every single time I went there, I was watching Jay Happ pitch, and I was like, "Come on!" But that was the year that he kind of, I don't know about broke out, but he kind of was like, "I'm a good player." Um, he two point four warp in 2015 total between Pittsburgh and Seattle. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, this year he, um, he outproduced his Pakoda by where to go now. Oh, I should have written it down. Ah, here we go by two warp. Um, so he was he projected, you know, around a little over one, and he landed on three wins above replacement player. That's good. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then I looked back last year, and he outperformed it, Pakota as well, um, just by like half a win. 
So it wasn't that dramatic, but he seemed, but I was thinking about it and I don't totally know why, but he seemed to me like somebody who would over time repeatedly outperform. Oh yeah. I see what you mean. I, um, I, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Um, what we, what why, we, what we but... have to learn to do is project deserved runs into the environment with the catcher and defense that the player is going to have. Right. Well, like you mentioned, um, cause that's when we have Astros. our best understanding of pitchers with the deserved context. And then if we can take that and reflect it into the expected context beyond just playing time. Right. Uh, yeah. I think that, I think it's done to some extent, but not, 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 not sufficiently in my opinion. So it's like, what, what are we projecting? You know, are we projecting his DRA? Are we projecting his components, which is we're really projecting his components. Uh, and then comparing it later to their, their DRA. Cause that's what their warp is. So it's a little, we may be, we may, we may be mis misleading ourselves by looking at warp as the biggest differences. So for example, we look at evaluating the quality of projections. We look at the components. Like right. how good were we on projecting home runs per, you know, per batter face and things like that. Right. So one thing about Jay Happ specifically is he outperformed his projected DRA by a little over a run. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Jay Happ, um, I think I might like you now. So He's a veteran pitcher. Yep. He's a kind of, a, and I guess maybe not an innings eater. He pitched 145 innings this year, but um, yeah, he's well. I mean, he's had some health issues. Also, once yeah. was hit by a batted ball, so I mean that that cost him some time. I think right. um, was that this year? <sighs> yeah, he only made 25 starts. Yeah, it might have been. It was it might have been early in this year? Yeah. Perhaps I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, he. So there's definitely you know. You can't call him an innings eater quite yet, but he's he's kind of one of those back end rotation guys who's totally he's super consistent. I'm mm-hmm. looking at his player card right now. His mm-hmm. his um, let's see, a, like opponent's true average is for his career it's 260, and it's, that's dead. That that's by definition average. Is it really? Yeah, Tiav is built to be centered at 260. 260. Okay, so his whole career, <laughs> he he's been uh, the high was let's see 269 yep 269 and the low was 251 so he's just consistently just like, average yeah amazing i mean yeah it's totally so he's four. 150 is that maybe i'm undershooting him but 150 to 170 innings a year of average pitching yep that that should be I, I imagine he should be paid many, many millions of dollars because that's a very, very hard thing to find. So And he is. He's yeah. thirteen mil this year, thirteen million next year for Toronto. So That's actually a good deal, my uh, Yeah, totally. Totally. Um so J Hap, you've earned my love. Hats off to J Hap. Hats off. Um Yeah, and then um Guys who totally underperform their Pakota projections. Um, Matt Moore, no surprise there. Mm, um, he had a year. terrible year. Uh, and then Rick Porcello um, also missed. 
It was a big miss. Uh, and then Matt Harvey that you mentioned previously. Oh, Matt Harvey. Um, and then there are other guys. You know, there's. A- I, I'm not surprised you missed Porcello because too much for some reason. But Harvey is, you know. Yeah. Like we shouldn't have missed Porcello too badly. I can see him coming in overrated for sure. But yeah, uh, he wasn't good. This Harvey year. just and he's just not himself. Yeah. So if we had like actually not just his stats and think, well, those are, you know, strange stats. They'll go back to normal. We'd actually, you know, put in the fact that his velocity is seven miles an hour or whatever awful it used to be. That I think would probably, we still would have missed by a ton. Yeah. Like you're saying. So bad and pitched so much at that bad level. I mean, it was. So you were mentioning um, previously adding um, like stuff or pitch effects data. Is that something that's, Steamer um, does that. Okay. Yeah. They do. I think they use something with pitch velocity. I'm not sure. Is that in the mix for Picota anytime soon? Um, I'm not sure if it's going to. Yeah, it might be. We'll see. We're testing things. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so I mean, that we... can come into two places. It can come into comps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it can come into components projections. You know, does it have a weighting that into components projection? Does it help? So there's there's two places that we're looking. So when you um, when you kind of evaluate Pakoda, that's something that's done every year. Is that right? Kind of like we evaluate Pakoda like constantly. Right. I mean, basically, because what we're for testing something new. It, it it basically is here's something new. Here's how it compares. Okay. To Pakoda itself, to other systems as well. Got we it. look at correlation. The, the, the gold standard is is certain, just like particular measurements of like the the, the volume, you know, the distance of your air, similar to what I was describing, how many winds off we were. Yep. But there's also the correlation, like you know, you're getting with I think the experiment correlations, we're getting the right ordering. So there's there's multiple questions, and and it kind of differs, you know. We're trying, so there's, we're playing with different ways of doing it. But I think, you know, again, it's like when putting in stuff, like you can put that directly into the, okay, given that you threw, uh, you know, this, this, this many strikeouts against this many batters last year and the year before and the year before that and some other things that matter and your fastball is this, then therefore we project your speed, you know, your, your strikeouts to be something. You can also then say, based on your velocity, I'm going to age you or I'm going to put you into a pool of comps a certain way. So there's, there's at least two or three places where I think stuff can fit into the recipe. So something kind of similar to what you were just talking about, I think uh, at least similar in my mind um, is kind of pitcher abuse points. And I don't know where those are factored in, if they're factored in at all. I found them years ago on baseball prospectus and um as I was trying to, to plan out my fantasy baseball drafting, you know, methodology or what have you. Um, is that factored into Pakoda at all? I don't think so. No. So we don't worry about how much, if you, if you were abused in your workload or are fresh, hmm. I, mean, I don't think that will impact our assessment of you. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think that's, uh, it seems, seems to me, I don't have a it vote. Seems, it, it seems, seems like, like it, it might potentially fit. Yeah, I guess that would be that could be a question that could be tested. 
Um, exactly. Yeah, you have to find is it predictive. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, what about you? Are there any players? No. Uh, no. Nope. No, no players. <laughs> nope. Uh, yeah. So those are the players that I kind of picked out as my um, guys who who outperformed or underperformed their Pakoda. All right. Want to hear what I learned this week? I do. I do want to hear what you learned this week. Really nothing too exciting. Sorry, folks. But basically that I think Matt Trueblood did a nice article. With, I think he actually did this last week um, about – are we bullpenning? <laughs> Brian Kenny loves to say we're bullpenning and the game is completely changed. It's right. this revolution of not using your starting pitchers. And it's like, well, you kind of sort of, you know, like there's definitely been a quicker hook tendency, I would say. But if your starting pitchers going well, people seem to be using their starting pitchers. And it's like, we're, we're not bullpenning so much as, as, Managers don't stick with the with the starting pitcher who doesn't go well. So is that you know I it's like he, I think the way Matthew put it was that we've backed into it. You know and I think right. at least with the case of the Yankees in, in particular, backed into the it first, based on poor performance. Right, yeah, because like t- today or not today, yesterday or two days, two games ago, excuse me, Severino was great in game one. You know, or in the wild card game he wasn't. So they they bullpen their way through that. Um, that was by necessity. You know, so it's more of a slight evolution. So, I, I mean, I was looking at this and, and it basically teams ran their starting pitchers out there as long as they were effective. Maybe the exceptions of like using a guy off roll was price. But, you know, or but really what was, you know, you see guys coming in from the rotation and working out of the bullpen like Sale did and Verlander even. Yeah. Uh, and John Lester today yeah. came out of the bullpen. Um, Max Scherzer might be out of the bullpen tomorrow for all we know. I mean, so there's, there's things like that, but really that's not unusual. So the whole thing is like, are you going, like our team's going crazy with their bullpens? It's like, no, they're not. They just have extra off days and they can use these guys more. So all teams are doing is using their best pitchers as much as they can. There's off days built into this. And if your starting pitcher, you know, tanks it really bad and you got to, you're going to pull them early because you don't want the, you know, you don't want to go any worse you can't just like ride out a game there is nothing you can do about it you have to try and win even if your starting pitcher is giving up three runs with one out you have to start managing a bullpen game at that point other than that i mean other than being driven into it it's like you know yeah your closer may work five outs or six outs but he's also probably getting more rest so all these strategies just seem to be driven by you need fewer pitchers and you're going to have a shorter hook on your starters. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, doesn't that take into account, I mean, or not take into account, I guess, but like that's leverage, like using your best pitchers yeah, in the highest you're leverage recognizing situation. leverage earlier in the game, yeah. So I, I think that's, yeah. And that sometimes that's Verlander, you know. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's different. And it, but I think if you go back over history of baseball, it probably happened a lot more than we realized in the playoffs. There just weren't as many rounds in games for it to occur. Right. Um, but guys going on short rest, that's not, that's not new in the postseason. So I, I think it's the, we have more games, we have more time off. There is some tendency 
increase to go quicker to your bullpen. But I don't think the idea of using starters out of the bullpen or, you know, early hook or anything revolutionary, like a change in the game, as Matthew said, it's like, yeah, it's different, but it's not, it's not that different. Yeah. I think we also have more people writing more things about, you know, postseason baseball. So that's a narrative that's easy to to latch onto and, and write about because it's, you know, it kind of seems new, but I mean, even, even in the recent past, it's not new. Like it it wasn't, it wasn't that Cleveland just came up with this last year, you know, like Kansas city has been doing it. And so I that probably an interesting article someone could write is, you know, because one thing like Matthew's data, like I'm like, okay, let's also put in like what the performance of starting pitchers was, you know, so it's a percentage of innings, you know, basically times to the order guys seeing the order multiple times goes down. And, and by the way, him looking at this, it's kind of starting pitchers, but also relievers going longer. It's a little confounded, I think, but if you broke it out a couple different ways and then looked at how the opponents were actually performing against those pitchers and see, cause you're going to get how much of it is a tendency to say, let's go. And how much of it is just like, Oh boy, these starters all, you know, shit the bed in the right. playoffs. <laughs> you know? no. Sucked and their teams yeah. lifted them early. Right. Yeah. So it's, you know, it needs to be, you know, so I think Matthew's probably on the right track, but it's like something that, that merits more investigation. Um, and if anything, I, I think if if bullpenning was such an important and the best way to go, than a team like the Astros, who are the most progressive, you know, in terms of managing their staff and, and personnel decisions that way, they went out and got Justin Verlander. Right. Yeah. You know, like you want a pitcher who you think can get you as like seven really solid innings, or five, or four, even in this time of year, you know, on a short rest. It's like you want as many innings as possible from your best pitchers, and you want pitchers who can be that person. Yeah. I mean, if, if Mariano Rivera could go seven innings and pitch the way that he did, like that's what he would have done. Right. You could only do it one or two. So you do it as many times as you can. But with these, you know, you want, you know, if you want someone that basically that's the change and that's, that's playoff baseball. You know, your, 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 your starters can come out of the bullpen and your relievers can go extra. There's this doubling up of, you know, of extra beef you can get and you don't have to pitch your worst guys. So is that bullpenning? No, it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's maximizing your resources and in, in different, maybe a different pattern. But I bet if we looked at like starting pitcher innings ratio to relief pitcher innings over time, like do they really change from season postseason to within a season to the postseason? dramatically or is it more a factor of those those things the timings that they have and you know, right it's not as so it looks a lot more different than it is right so did you learn anything this week i did i did um, and it's um is it good is it good uh <laughs> you all can tell me if it's good right. um i think learning things in general is good um so I recall, and I don't remember exactly when this in, is exactly when this was. Um, I tried to look it up. You might remember it actually. Um, 
someone wrote a piece a few years ago about Mike Trout and I think it was high fastballs. Oh, Is that okay. ring bell? I know. Like he was struggling against high fastballs and then people started throwing high fastballs to him and then he had to make an adjustment. It looks like it was Jeff Sullivan at Fangraphs. I I could be totally making this up. Yeah. That, that's what I recall. So I'm going with it. Um, so what I learned was um, this weekend, this past weekend, was um, my son's eighth birthday. And so as we were, my wife and I were kind of reflecting, as you do, uh, as we do anyway, um, about our kids and things like that, and thinking about, you know, different, um, different things in parenting that have been, uh, challenging with, uh, our kids. And, um, we were just talking about how they kind of have forced us to raise our game to, you know, like step up and like be the parents that we think we are and that we want to be or, uh, whatever, like they are kind of, they are pushing us to that, um, and um, and I thought of the Mike Trout uh, kind of st- stepping up his game and making adjustments. So um, I also have a, a kind of a, a life. I don't know if it's a life philosophy. I have a, a belief that baseball is like the perfect um, metaphor for life. All things in life can kind of be illustrated with something in baseball, mm-hmm. uh, much to the chagrin of my wife sometimes. But I think she likes it most of the time. However, um, so this to me was something like that. So um, I learned that uh, making adjustments is part of the game, whether it's in baseball, Mike Trout, high, high fastballs, or whether it's in parenting and becoming the kind of person and parent that you want to be. Yeah, and you know what uh, the, the flip side of that coin is? What's the flip side of that? Well, I don't know if that's the right term, but it's 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 recognizing and accepting and failure. Yeah. The, but why why are you adjusting? Why is Mike Trout adjusting due to failure? Right. So it's like you know, it, someone's told me you never learn anything in life except unless you unless you've made a mistake. Totally. And then he would go on to say that his my life has been a continuous learning experience. <laughs> so, it, so it's like you know that's. Everybody who succeeds is, can talk about all the times they failed. Right. Right. People who succeed have people who succeed failed more than people who don't succeed. Right. I mean, and there's always the, you know, um, the Michael Jordan illustration. I mean, <laughs> he's he's a pretty good illustration for uh, excellence in sports. Um, but you know how he whatever didn't make his freshman junior junior what year was it like even his yeah. junior or something crazy. yeah something crazy but i mean he even... bought that dude he bought the guy to his hall of fame induction oh really pulled him out that's awesome like you right there i had you, <laughs> you come to this me. because you know i think it was like the guy who made the team oh really like yeah i'm so I, I don't know i'm not a basketball the, scholar the ralph sampson of his uh high school team. yeah yeah something like that yeah that's funny um but yeah totally i mean and i think uh so too, DJ LeMahieu says he's motivated by the fact that the Cubs gave up on him. Oh, really? 
yeah, he felt he's yeah he's stung by that. He he's it's almost to the point where we kind of make fun of him a little bit because of it. You know, yeah, it's, it's like, like let it go, like, dude. Let it go. You've got your batting title, and yeah. you've done you've done everything's cool now. But uh, the, the you know the Cubs the Cubs sold low on him, and yeah. he and he recognized that he he saw like the trade. He's like, hmm, <laughs> that's what they thought of me. And he's like, I'm kind of pissed, and so that that's. Sometimes it takes that, like of another person, like your kid or your manager right. or general manager, like going, you suck. Yeah. Somewhere holding up a mirror to you. Yeah. Oh. But, you know, that's usually it's something, you know, it's good to get punched in the mouth every once in a while. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Something from it. Yeah, for sure. So that's what I learned. Um, yeah. Always getting better. Like like your friend said, <laughs> constantly learning. It's a constant learning experience. Yeah. It's uh, true. It's I true. Mean, that's, and baseball is a sport of failure. Yeah. And it's, when projections are always going to be wrong. Yeah. Half of our projections are going to be too high. The other half are going to be too low. And did, like maybe it's 49.9% and 49.9% and leaves us 0.2% where we actually got it right. Right. Like we don't expect to hit on the number. It just you want to be generally in the right direction right. for as many people as possible. Let me and that's the trick. Can I back you up on that and ask like a little bit more of a philosophical question about projections? Sure. Why why do projections if you know they're gonna be wrong? Like you say, like ninety nine point eight percent of the time, you we're know constantly be we're, we are we're a full, okay. I think. Can I rephrase your question? Yeah. Why create a formalized projection system? Yeah. Because we're always projecting yeah. on players. When you say this guy sucks, right? or I'm picking this guy in my fantasy team, or I don't want him on my team next year, or I think he's going to go 0 for 4 against his pitcher, you're making, we're constantly projecting players' performances. Right. Two. Uh, so that's so. What's that's a basic fundamental thing in baseball. So that's why you create. So you want to make a formalized one, so it's objective. That that's why you do it. Um, from a fan point of view, like okay, if we're all going to be doing this, and even if we're in our fantasy drafts, and it helps us there. But the basic thing is, I think, from that point of view, why do a projection system? It's like well, we're all projecting, forecasting player performances all the time. So why not formalize it? Let's codify the, the, it. Let's. Be able right, to but repeat the, but the it. Real re- I think the real reason, the more I don't, I, you'd have to ask Nate why he started and did it. I don't know. I've never met Nate. Um, I, I don't. Nate, reach out, buddy. Nate Soray probably doesn't give a rat's ass who I am. Uh, he, basically, I mean, I actually, I seriously don't think Nate looks at anything we do. I don't, I've never, I don't think, I bet, I would guess he doesn't even know who I am. Um, the thing is with projections, Major League Baseball is all like front office, okay? Baseball operations. It is completely 100% about projection. As fans, where we talk a lot about what happened, who wants to be MVP, who's Cy Young, you know? But basically, they don't, they don't care. Like, there is no MVP discussion. Because the only thing they care about is my team next, winning more games next, next year. Yeah. Uh, so. Everything is about projection. So if you want to do, it's like one of the most important fundamental things in baseball. 
So if you want to, if you want to look at anything in the game, you have to have a projection system. I mean, and it, and it should be something that is not just a toy. It should be good. <laughs> right. It should actually be pretty good at projecting certain types of things. Um, what we try and do is is a tool that just like gives you this massive amount of information on, on tons of players, but projection systems in Cyberfront Office may be more narrow, more focused, more 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 complex, more nuanced, more inputs. And is that um, would that be based on the things that that particular front office cares about, or and what and what data they have available? Exactly, exactly. Um, so. You want to have an objective system to go with all the subject, you know, the, all, to go with all the less objective information that you may have from your scouts or from your own reading of various reports. So you want to have those objective systems in place, just as a as an underpinning. Um, teams really like projection systems out there. Basically, they they look at all of them. You know, pretty anybody publishes a projection system out in baseball land, that's scraped or directly delivered to teams. Uh, because they want to look at other projections as well. So then they may, so they'll have their own projection, you know, and yeah. then they'll say, and here's what Pakoda and Steamer and, and Marcel and Zips and, and whatnot, you know, right. on down the line. They, th- those all tell you things, and they may recognize that some are better. At, you know, they, they may see the trends in them that we're trying to talk about. Right, and so those are those are just additional data points for them as, mm-hmm. as they go about their evaluation and like you say, looking forward rather than looking back. So, and the uh, best projection is probably the average of all the projections that all of us are creating. So, if you took all like the five or six, whatever biggest yeah. publicly available systems and just aggregated them, you probably get the best. Really? But just so, but everybody should be, you know. Uh, but again, you know, there's a difference between trying to project the whole league and then projecting the players that you have in your system. Right. And the players that you're targeting. So you may have very narrow focus at some point. It may develop projections that are very much more precise than this. Okay, let's use the same set of you know heuristics for all 2,000 players. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I have a, a, another question. Um, the so I saw I've seen like different people. This is like mainly on Twitter or whatever, and they're talking about different wars and this is probably a totally different discussion and that's totally fine if that is so but people are like oh if you average all the wars so like baseball reference war sure why war, not. War, i mean there's war. differences there's the, yeah, the, the other two guys use uh same replacement level we use different replacement levels there's different it's it's, it's, it's different you gotta it's, be a little careful yeah because there's maybe some but basically same thing yeah because we're it's all about the, the baseline is a win and so kind of that's yeah, roughly exactly. when you add up everything it may come up a little weird but in terms of just saying i'm not sure which one to believe okay we'll just just average, average them but keep in mind that like one may not have framing at all right, right one has framing but with a model that we consider compared to all the other available research to be too conservative in its distribution of runs to catchers you know and then we have ours Got it. so that you're going to get a big difference on catchers that so th- there's differences in like at the, at a lower level. Like if you just want to look at right fielders, yeah, you're probably going to be okay. You're also going to see what differences they have in their defensive systems that they have under the two with warp. So that's you know maybe a discussion for a different day. But um, I saw that and that that kind of just bubbled up to my head. So um, all related. Yep, totally. All right. Well, I think we've um, 
We've, I think we've beaten this horse. We've done our duty. Episode 10 in the books. The Yankees now have a 5-2 lead. Cleveland's in trouble. Cleveland it's the ninth inning. In trouble. Oh, boy. But, yeah, playoff baseball's a blast. I love it. It is. Love it. So, so next week, maybe we'll talk more about playoffs. Yep. More about projections. We'll be it's going to be something in that realm. In the throes of... Um, oh, league, don't? No. League no. Championship Series. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We also, some fun, yeah, and we also may have some fun stuff at BP that uh, we'll be in the throes of as well. Perhaps, perhaps. Nervous. Little tease. Uh, yeah. So keep, yeah. keep your eyes on on BP. Uh, yeah, do that. Keep we, on our website for us, would you? We will be doing the same, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah!